Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. I am Amanda Hall, the Education Engagement Manager at Haran, and you've probably heard me on the podcast before. I've been on to speak about a variety of topics, um, but today's topic is very near and dear to my heart as the Education Engagement Manager and as a certified financial educator. So today, I want to talk about financial wellness programs being offered as a part of employee benefits packages. And it seems that employers are becoming more committed and engaged in offering a variety of financial wellness solutions for their employees. And I could not be more excited. So let's talk about this. So first off, what exactly is a financial wellness program? Um, employees, I mean, they're really offering a variety of programs um, with benefits that are aimed to just improve the financial wellness of their employees. So benefits like 401k plans and their match programs or health savings or flex spend accounts are kind of the obvious benefits that employers offer to help improve financial wellness. But there are other ways that employers are starting to hone in on helping improve their employees' financial well-being. So um, just really quickly, I'm going to name a few of those benefits that I've been seeing lately or that I've helped put into place um, for for different employers. So um, tuition assistance programs, uh, offering to reimburse or pay for qualified education classes or programs, Um, So this could be uh, an employer paying a portion of the employee's tuition so that they can further their education, uh, typically in a program that complements their current job title um, or maybe a job that they're seeking or something within like the related field that they work in. So for instance, just kind of a higher level example, this is like a business person who maybe wants to seek getting their MBA their employer would pay for portions of their tuition um, as a benefit to help them achieve that goal, which in turn would obviously benefit the company. Um, Something similar, but not exactly the same, are student loan repayment assistance type programs. Um, This is where maybe you've already gone to school and you have like student loans. Um, Employers are paying for a portion of those their employees' monthly like student loan ex- uh, payments or expenses. It also could be um, personalized financial advice programs. So there are several financial wellness programs out there that allow personalized advice for each employee. Um, you know, programs that can take into consideration an employee's unique financial picture and then use that information to help build a plan that will put them on the path um, to better financial health. This could include virtual assistance or it could be in-person coaching. There's really a lot of options out there, but um, you know, I think the key here is, is these are programs that can be personalized in some way. 
Um, employees are offer- also seeking out or offering group education sessions. So whether that's you know going to be like in the form of a webinar or an in-person learning type opportunity, um, you know these could be like employer specific type education sessions where maybe it's like a presentation on um, the financial benefit type accounts that are available, like the health savings account or a flex spend account or, or whatever. Um, or it could just be some a broader scale type topic. So um, maybe they just have education sessions on like budgeting or debt management. The goal here is to just really offer education and tools in a way that would empower the employee to improve their financial wellness independently. A lot of employers are also um, offering financial apps right now. So, you know, the employers typically will cover the the cost for their employees to access these apps that are aimed to help them uh, meet financial goals or maybe even just like track their current financial status in a way that encourages, you know, improvement of their financial situation. Um, Something else I've seen are um, on-demand learning programs. So these are just uh, programs that offer a variety of like tools and resources that employees can just explore and digest at their own pace, um, which seems to be really successful with employers who have a lot of employees who are maybe on different um, different shifts or different work schedules. Uh, maybe everybody can't be somewhere at the same time, um, or maybe they have different ways that they have to access materials. So on-demand learning programs really, really work well for those groups. Um, Something else we're seeing are on-demand pay programs. So these programs offer employees more flexibility with regards to like how they, um, like how and when they can access their pay. So that's something um, I've kind of just more recently discovered. And then um, finally, we're also seeing more like workshops on things like budgeting and debt management. So these Hands-on programs can really help employees build those healthy foundational habits that ultimately support the long-term financial success that we're looking for. So that's just kind of like a broad overview of the different types of ways that employers can offer support to their employees through financial wellness or financial literacy. So why pursue financial literacy? You know, I think it's safe to say that a company's most significant investment is its employees. And companies have been offering benefits packages to employees, I think, since like the end of the Great Depression. Um, That's kind of really where this came, really started. And it was just, you know, as a way to attract and retain the best talents. And they, it just, you know, companies have continued to do this over time. Um not just to hold on to their best and brightest, but also just to support the employee's um, personal needs and goals. A lot of recent research has shown strong correlations between physical, mental, and financial health. And a number of studies have shown that a large portion of those who are um, what they have identified as financially distressed, so about 40 to 50%, report that their health is directly impacted negatively by their financial worries and problems. So health problems caused by financial distress, that costs employers big money. And I do wanna go through a few statistics real quick that support this connection of that physical, mental, and financial health. So the APA, um, and for those of you who 
don't know what that is. That's the American Psychological Association. They actually began conducting an annual Stress in America survey in 2007. So they, they started this when a lot of people were arguably under a lot of financial stress. Um, you know, maybe for those of you who are a little bit younger, um, you might not remember this, but in 2000 and, 2007, around that time frame, there was a really big housing market crash and a lot was going on there. Um, but what's interesting and really, but really not all that surprising is that money and finances have been the top stressor for Americans since they started doing this survey in 2007. Uh, most years, money and financial stress landed in the number one spot. And that seems rather obvious in a year like 2007 when we had significant market volatility and decline and, they, and you know we were really in the midst of a recession. But we've been experiencing the longest bull run of the U.S. stock, mar- stock market in history since 2009. Um, I think back in May, we surpassed like nine years, like the nine year and five month and some, some amount of days mark. Um, but people still stress about their finances more than arguably anything else. And if you take into consideration the rise in the U.S. inflation rate recently, it makes even more sense. In 2021, the annual inflation rate in the United States was 4.7%, um, which is a pretty significant increase from uh, what it was in 2011, which was 3.2%. But do you know what makes all of this stress and um, concern worse? According to the 2018 National Financial Capability Study, financial literacy actually decreased from 42% in 2009 to 34% in 2018. Um, and then in, in that same uh, study, they found that in 2020, 72% of Americans felt stressed about money. And 58% said that they were living paycheck to paycheck. So the bottom line here is that people are stressed about their finances. And they don't have the knowledge or tools necessary to do anything about it. And that really impacts an employer's bottom line in multiple ways. So this leads to increased healthcare costs. Um, Did you know that financial stress contributes to cycles of poor physical and mental health that contributes to an estimated $300 billion a year expense to American businesses? $300 billion a year of an expense is linked back to just those cycles of poor physical and mental health. That's insane. So I want to talk to you about these, um, these cycles really quick. So think about this. If you are under financial stress, you are more likely to participate in high risk behaviors. Let's say excessive consumption of alcohol, or drugs, something along those lines, which leads again to poor health. When you're poor health, you have higher healthcare costs, you have higher out-of-pocket expenses, which then it goes back to a greater financial stress. And that cycle just continues. Here's another one. 
let's say that you're in poor health and you have those high out-of-pocket expenses or you have um, more out-of-pocket expenses. So maybe they're not high each time, but they're more frequent. Well, that's going to add to your financial stress. And so a lot of people are actually delaying seeking medical attention because of the costs associated with it, which then leads to poorer health. And we start that cycle all over again. So we wait, we hold off on seeking medical attention if we think that, you know, people aren't going in for checkups as often. Um, If they think that they could have a problem physically, they're delaying going in to see their medical provider, which could mean that the problem gets worse and is then more expensive to take care of or leads to more long-term health concerns. And so that adds to their poor health, again, increases the out-of-pocket cost, more financial stress, they're delaying their medical attention. It just cycles around and around. And then when we look at mental health, when you think about your finances, whether you are in excellent financial financial health or you're living paycheck to paycheck, there's stress associated with finance. The thought of being in a great position now and what could happen in the future, there's some stress there. And it's even worse if you're already in poor fi- uh, financial health. So when you think about financial stress, that leads to poor mental health. And poor mental health can impair decision-making, which might make you to lead you to make poor financial decisions again. And then again, we're cycling back to financial stress. More poor mental health, impaired decision-making, back to more financial stress. So these cycles are really impacting that financial, physical, and mental health is all interconnected. Um, Something else we see, we see lost productivity because of financial distress. So up to 80% of financially distressed workers spend time at work worrying about personal finances and dealing with financial issues instead of performing the job. Um, Not to mention, we see lower 401k participation and um, deferral rates, healthcare reimbursement, dependent care reimbursements, all those uh, potential tax savings to employees and employers are reduced because of our lower financial literacy rates. Um, I'm not going to go into the math because honestly, this is a podcast and it's hard to speak to math without seeing it, in my opinion. Uh, Researcher Thomas Garman estimates that the potential savings to a company is $2,034 every year for each employee who decreases their financial distress and improves their financial satisfaction. So there's a lot that goes into this. Um, If anybody's really that interested in it, there's a a book. called Delivering Financial Literacy Instruction to Adults. And it was actually written by um, Thomas Garman and Alan, Alan J. Uh, Gappinger. And um, they go through all the math in there and, and outline all these different um, aspects. But key here is that companies can save about two, a little over $2,000 every year for each employee if they just invest in financial literacy programs that can help improve their their employees' financial wellness. Um, 
So all this is to say, are these programs successful? So I think it honestly depends on the program. To be successful, a financial wellness program really needs to be structured in a way that is accessible, engaging, customizable, and finally, it, that builds lo- healthy long-term habits. So accessible. It needs to be able to reach people at different times and in different ways. How we learn and retain information is unique to us. I retain more through reading, but my husband absorbs more by hearing information. So I'm a visual learner and he's an auditory learner. If we enrolled in a financial wellness program that only offered reading material like articles or worksheets, I would probably do a lot better than my husband. And not just because I do this for a living, but (laughs) um, it's just because he doesn't learn the same way as I do. A successful program needs to be made available to the learner in a way that suits their needs. Now, it needs to be engaging. So I might thrive by reading materials, but that's only if what I'm reading is really interesting to me. So, um, and I also need hands-on interactions as well, like worksheets um, or something that has, gives me real life examples to compare to or stories that I can relate to. I need to feel like what I'm learning is relevant and interesting. And it also needs to be customizable so that it's more specific to me. Do you think I would be interested in learning about dependent care flex spend accounts if I was a single 23-year-old employee with no kids or relatives that relied on me for care? Um, Well, probably not. (laughs) But in reality, I am a 33-year-old. I'm married. I have two children under the age of five. I have aging parents and in-laws. You know, we're also interested in reducing our tax liability. I am a prime candidate for learning about and understanding how to utilize a dependent care flex spend account. The point is, I am not going to be as engaged in a topic that doesn't apply to me right now. And, and if you consider the reverse of the scenario, um, how much could I be missing out if a financial wellness program didn't address dependent care FSAs? So the program needs to be customizable to, and meet that employee where they're at now, but also have information available for where they could be in the future. And then finally, it needs to help build healthy long-term habits. The program should help build those long-term habits that improve financial wellness and also reduce bad behaviors that contribute to financial mistakes and stressors, like accumulating like debt or living paycheck to paycheck. Obviously, those aren't exactly financially healthy things. So at the end of the day, if you're an employer, offering financial wellness-related benefits to your employees really seems like a no-brainer. Research shows that they can increase employee satisfaction and retention. They positively impact the employer's bottom line in several ways. And they just help your greatest asset, your employee, improve their lives. On the flip side, if you are an employee listening, take advantage of these programs. Understand what is available to you. And make the commitment to yourself to improve your financial literacy and achieve your financial goals. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have loved sharing all this knowledge with you. Um, If you have any questions about financial wellness um, or programs that may be available to you, 
uh, speak with your employer, your HR representative, um, speak with maybe your 401k plan advisor if your company offers one of those, um, or reach out to us here at Haran. We would be more than happy to answer any questions. Thank you, guys. Please remember that this podcast was strictly for educational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation, um, nor should you take it as tax or legal advice. Also, you can find more educational resources available on our Twitter and Instagram, so be sure to follow us at Haran1948. And if you could subscribe to our podcast, we would love that also, and you'll get notified whenever we have new episodes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.